0: Chapter nineteen of the Biography of a Prairie Girl by Eleanor Gates. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Toward the rising sun the big brothers sat in a sullen circle about the sitting-room table, the eldest smoking, the biggest studying his fingers, the youngest whittling jackstraws. Near, silent and troubled, hovered the little girl, watching the three who, like fate themselves, seemed to be settling her destiny. "'So you don't want her to go,' said the Biggest, "'taking up the discussion where it had been dropped a few moments before, "'though you know it was Mother's last wish, "'and that the youngsters always wanted it. "'Well, your reasons. Let's hear em again from first to last.' "'What'll she do with all this education she's hankering for?' "'demanded the eldest, flashing angry eyes around. "'Tell me that.' "'Huh!' grunted the Biggest, "'and he threw back his head with a hearty laugh. "'Well, well,' he exclaimed, when he could speak. "'That's what's worrying you, is it?' just let me ask you something did you ever hear of anybody in your life that had an eddication fastened on to them and didn't know what to do with it what'll she do with it wait till she's got it then she and me will sit down and tell you all about it there was a note of ridicule in his voice that fired the eldest who made no reply but struck the wooden bowl of his pipe so savagely against his boot heel that it split and fell from its stem then he turned upon the youngest with a wave of the hand that commanded an opinion Yes. "'What have you got to say?' inquired the Biggest, also turning. "'The youngest shrugged his shoulders. "'You two run the business to suit yourselves,' he said. "'I wash my hands of it.' He began another jack-straw without glancing up. "'That's good,' said the Biggest. "'That counts you out.' He tilted his chair around until he faced the eldest. "'I'm no dog in the manger,' he continued. "'I didn't have a chance to learn more than the law allows, or to go to a city school. "'But I wanted to, bad enough. "'That's why I know how she feels.' He pointed his thumb over his shoulder at the little girl. "'I'm for her goin', and whatever comes of it, I'll stand by her. Books is all she wants. Let her have them. We ain't got no right to hold her back.' "'She can have em here,' interposed the eldest. "'Yes, along with work that's too hard for her. You wouldn't think of putting a fine animal like the blue mare on the plow. No, of course you wouldn't. There's some horses born for teamin' and some for high-toned carriage pullin'. It happens in this case we ain't talking about a draft plug.' He was trembling in his earnestness. After a pause he went on. She might stay here, that's right, but she never have a cent to call her own, lest she earned it teaching. Some way or other, the boys in the family always think they own the farm. Girls ain't got no share, no matter how hard they've drudged around the kitchen or the garden, or even in the fields. They can take anything that's given em till they marry, or they can hang around and play nurse girl and kitchen girl to their brother's wives. I've always noticed, broke in the eldest, changing his ground, and ignoring what the biggest had said, That every country girl who goes to town polishes herself up like a milk pan till she's worn off their prairie look, and then she marries some dude with a head like an addled egg. The biggest threw the little girl a swift, roguish glance. I ain't afraid of the dude part of it, he said. I'm willing to trust her taste, anyway. I don't have to live with him, neither do you. Do you mean to say, asked the eldest, giving the table a blow with his fist, that you think the city's the place for a girl, friends or no friends? nobody's going to look after her when she leaves here as careful as we do the bishop suggested the little girl advancing almost imploringly the bishop sneered the youngest i thought you washed your hands of this reminded the biggest with a look that instantly quieted the youngest i guess maybe you didn't get him clean at any rate you'd better just make jack straws he faced the eldest again i say the city's no place for her the latter continued hotly He pointed through the open door to where, above the ash trees, a hawk was pursuing a field sparrow that vainly, by sudden dips and rises, strove to escape its enemy. "'You see that?' he cried. "'Well, in every city there's a thousand hawks with their claws out, waiting to swoop down on them that don't watch. She'd better not go, I say. She'll be safe and happy here. It was so long since Mother'd seen a big place she forgot how it is there. It's not too late to stop getting ready. You'd better stay,' stood up and whirled about upon the little girl. The biggest brother gave a dissenting shake of the head. "'She'll be safe enough,' he said. "'It's only when a little bird gets careless that the hawk gets him. "'What do you know about a city, anyhow?' "'The hardware man says,' began the eldest. The biggest cut him short. "'There's some people in this world that can't do a lick of good,' he said. "'But they can do any amount of mischief. "'That hardware man's one of them. "'She ain't got enough money to last her more than six months,' the eldest asserted, once more changing ground.' "'I've got what I've just made, teaching,' said the little girl. The Biggest shook a warning finger at her. "'I'm runnin' this parley-boo,' he laughed. Then he became serious again. "'She's got what she just made, teaching,' he agreed. "'Well, that won't last her long. "'So,' he hesitated, arose, and began to walk the floor nervously. "'Course,' he faltered, "'I bought that quarter-section from the Swede, "'but I don't need it more than a cat needs two tails. "'Just bought it to be a doin'. "'So I've concluded to call the bargain up "'and buy some land later on. The, the youngster can have the little pile I've got. For a moment, no one spoke. Then the little girl put out her arms, and the biggest brother drew her to him. That's the way we've settled it, he said. His voice was husky, his eyes overflowing. I want to help her get away, and, and heaven knows how I'm going to miss her. You two won't feel it as I will. He buried his face in her shoulder. Finally, he spoke again. Next year, when her money runs out, she'll have my share of the crop and herd, and every year she'll have my share till she's through and ready to do something for herself. Then I'll buy that quarter section. It belongs to the sweet boy. He'll keep it to sell it to me any time in the next ten years. He says so. That's his part toward helping her. Oh, dear old brother, whispered the little girl. Thank you. Thank you. She was dangerously near to tears and could say no more. We've decided, said the biggest, that we might as well get this thing over. So, so she's gone today. Today? The eldest and the youngest almost shouted in their surprise. "'Yes, today,' repeated the biggest. "'She's going to do a little studying this summer. "'Now, I'm going to go hitch up,' he added as he kissed the little girl and went out. "'The eldest and the youngest remained beside the table, "'the former battling with disappointment and sorrow, "'the latter suddenly wrathful and concerned. "'As he sat there, the little girl packed her last few garments into a leather satchel "'and put on her hat and coat. "'Then she climbed the stairs to the attic to tell the low, bare room good-bye.' ever afterward when she thought of the farmhouse it was the attic that first pictured itself in her mind for the rooms below had seen many improvements since her birthnight over fifteen years before but the attic had remained unchanged above the litter of barrels and boxes that covered the western half of the floor hung the christmas trimmings in their little bag seeds for the spring planting each kind done up separately strings of dried peppers rows of cob corn suspended by the shucks slippery elm sage and bone set and paper packages unused powder horns and the big brothers steel traps to the east of the stovepipe were their beds covered with patchwork quilts made by the mother and the boxes in which they kept their clothes and trinkets the little girl halted sadly beneath the slanting rafters to look around when she finally turned away to descend she had to feel her way carefully though the morning light but lately risen was pouring in its light the farewells in the sitting-room were soon over with many a promise to write with fond pats to the dogs that crowded about her hoping she would take them on her drive With tender kisses on the pillows of the old canopied bed and glances behind, she went out into the frosty air and took her seat in the buckboard. Her face was calm and her eyes were dry as they drove out of the yard. She was bravely fighting down her grief at leaving, and she looked back again and again to wave her hand to the eldest and the youngest, who were standing outside the kitchen, swinging their hats in tardily repentant and approving response. At sight of the carnelian bluff, she suddenly sat very still and a pang shot through her heart. Looking down at the well-worn, weed-bordered road, She remembered the November morning when, with even deeper sorrow, she walked behind her, who was never to pass through the corn again. Opposite the bluff, the biggest brother stopped the buckboard and the little girl stepped down, crossed the half-thawed drifts that still lay on the western slope, and went up to the graves. A brisk wind was blowing over the plains and shaking the scent from the first wild prairie violets that dotted the new grass. She paused but a moment at the pipestone cross, but beside the other graves she knelt and looked long and lovingly at the white headboard the chaplain had put it up the day after the funeral and had lettered on it in black mother blessed are the pure in heart a few minutes later she joined the biggest brother and the buckboard hurried on she did not look around at the house or bluff until the highest point between the track and the farm was reached then as if he read her wish the biggest brother again drew rein. she stood up to look back she could see the herd peacefully trailing across the river meadows in search of green feeding beyond lay the awakening fields under the cold sun the bluff, the house shining in a new coat of red, the board barn towering over the low sod one at its back, and she caught a glimpse of the two dark figures still standing against the kitchen, watching her out of sight. She did not see a third, whose pale eyes were so dim that he in turn could not see her, as he loitered mournfully by the side of his stack. "'Good-bye,' she said softly. "'Good-bye.' A sob came from her biggest brother. She sank to the seat and, putting her arms around his neck, clung to him, weeping aloud. As he drove on, he manfully strove to restrain his grief. When he turned east at the railroad, he drew his sleeve across his eyes and to the horses. "'It'd be a lot worse if you had to stay,' he said. "'There's everything before you where you're going if you want to work for it. Here, there's nothing.' The little girl lifted her head from his shoulder with fresh courage. "'I know it,' she said. She gave him a grateful smile and turned to look back once more. Suddenly a cry parted her lips. She pointed off beyond the farmhouse see she exclaimed and the biggest brother brought the horses to his stand hanging against the sky was a spectral city whose buildings inverted and magnified loomed through the clean crisp air and marble-like grandeur and whose spires keen-tipped and transparent were thrust far down toward the earth breathlessly the little girl watched her mirage which to her seemed divine as if he who sat at sunset upon the throne of clouds were showing her the longed-for city of her dreams in a celestial image high and white and beautiful Joy shone on her face at the wonderful thought, and into her eyes there came a light of comprehension, of determination, and of enduring hope. It was the radiant light of womanhood, and the biggest brother, looking proudly at her, knew at that moment that she was no longer a little girl. End of Toward the Rising Sun and End of The Biography of a Prairie Girl by Eleanor Gates Recorded by Trata, Uruguay, South America 2014.